There, there are actually times when I look at parents who aren't pediatric emergency docs, and I wonder, how do you possibly manage raising your kids? Like, it must be so scary all the time, because kids are always doing all these crazy, weird things that seem really horrible. Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, Dr. Harmon, we're back on air. That we are. Hello, Dr. Shu. I'd ask you how you're doing, but I got a sense of how you're doing already because I know the topic <laughs> and I know it's a personal topic for you right now. Oh, man. I mean, to fill our audience in, today's today is like day, I don't know, what is it, day five of my son having a bad case of, we, medically we call it gastroenteritis, but it's basically nausea, vomiting, diarrhea combination. And actually, I, I had to call... Dr. Harmon two days ago early in the morning because my son had a bit of an incident overnight and my wife and I were like how long is this going to go on for <laughs> and I was thinking about it like while I was washing the floor at 2 30 in the morning and cleaning like the little mat that we have in the bathroom because of the accident that he had it was pretty <laughs> nasty so to fill you, to fill everyone in, basically we we were away on holiday in uh, upstate New York. There's a museum of play for kids, which I highly recommend. And when we came back from that trip, we were fine. The trip was great, but the next morning my son started vomiting. He vomited like four times that morning. So this was like on Friday. And, okay. and actually, this does that's, not tarnish your recommendation of this museum. <laughs> well. That's one of the issues we'll talk about because we don't really know where he got sick. Like we keep thinking maybe it's from the museum. Like he touched some toys because obviously the place is there's kids running around everywhere. Right. And some of them are probably sick. So maybe we should just never take our kids to anything where other children are involved. <laughs> but um, other than that, like we, we also ate at different restaurants. Like we on our way out of the U.S., we bought some like pre-cut fruit, which we almost never do from the grocery store <laughs> because we wanted something to chew on in the car. And strawberries I and blueberries. I applaud you buying fruit. <laughs> strawberries <laughs> and blueberries seemed like a good idea at the time. And then he woke up and started vomiting. And then by that night, I had a I was down with a migraine. And the next day, I got sick. So both of us were sick. Yeah. Then my wife got sick. And on, I think it was Sunday night, like sometimes when I get pretty sick, like I get a craving for like potato chips, like like a big bag of Lay's. Okay. So I I got a big bag of sour cream and onion. My wife and I were like we're like eating this like crazy because we've been feeling so unwell that day. And then my daughter's like, I don't want any, <laughs> which is really really strange. So we're like, yeah. oh no, she's gonna get it now too. But then she actually pulled through. So either she was just mad at us for some reason and was making a protest by not eating potato chips, or yeah. she felt a little something. Because it's kind of she's character. more concerned about her cholesterol than you guys are. <laughs> well, I figure when I'm in like a really like starvation state, like during an episode of diarrhea, that if there's ever a time that I can allow the cholesterol to float a little bit, that would be a good time. <laughs> well, your body so, probably also just craves salt when you're like uh, not eating well and getting dry and stuff. <laughs> it should be the other way around. Shouldn't you? you should be dehydrated. You should be trying to get rid of salt. 
I just that's true. But if you're if you're not eating anything, um, then you're going to be deficient in like fluids and salt and like so, that, you know when you, you don't normally drink just free water when you're <laughs> feeling sick with a gastro. Usually you drink you want some water with some salt and electrolytes. True. True. So, anyways, we anyways he, then I think like on Monday he started he started having diarrhea. Like it went from vomiting to diarrhea, yeah. and then I that's and then overnight he he had an accident because he couldn't get to the bathroom quickly enough, or he was trying to pee and then he ended up pooing on the floor, and it was a disaster, right? So we're gonna fast forward a bit to now. He's slowly getting better. The vomiting stopped. Okay. Um, over the last two days, but now it's just. And then yesterday, he was just kind of lethargic, like probably like feeling about sixty percent of his usual energy level. Okay. And then today, today he started to have more diarrhea. Like I think he went like five or six times today. So then I remember you said on the phone, like the vomiting can last for up to what did you say? Up to five days, one hundred twenty hours. Yeah. Usually the vomiting is sort of settled down by by time you get to one hundred twenty hours, if not sooner. So, so he got to about 110 hours, <laughs> I think. So we're really pushing the limit. And now the diarrhea has been going for like four days. And you said this could go for 10 days? Yes, indeed. The <laughs> diarrhea can go up to 10 days for, so for a viral gastroenteritis. I'm going to be like six feet under the ground like five <laughs> days from now if this doesn't improve. Well, at least it, it usually uh, decelerates. It usually starts to improve, even though it takes sometimes 10 days for it to completely resolve. Okay. But usually at t- usually on day 10, things are not as bad as they were on day one. <laughs> oh, so it's not a getting worse, 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 and then suddenly cured. <laughs> we might be a bit concerned if the diarrhea just seems to get worse and worse and worse, and then suddenly <laughs> there's nothing left to come out. That may not be a good sign. Probably not a good sign. So... I mean, this case raised a lot of interesting questions. And actually, the first thing I'm going to say is that as a family doctor myself, I'm, I will admit there are some knowledge gaps that we have. Because when I asked Dr. Harmon a bunch of these questions, like he had slightly different answers than what I was used to giving people as answers. Because like, usually I see people coming in vomiting, right? And they'll vomit for a day or two. Like You rarely see it get to day three, four, five, right? And yeah, like I've only really seen it with my son. <laughs> well, think how much credibility now you're going to have with your patients when you can tell them like, no, 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 I've I've seen this personally last uh, up to seven days. With my son. Great. That's half the reason I have four kids is just for that extra credibility when I'm talking to patients. Well, your credibility is quite high with the four kids. I have to say that's the whole reason we're doing the show with you. <laughs> Oh, man. Imagine if we just had one more kid. We could be doing a television show. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about some of the medical issues that this scenario and this diarrhea thing bring up, because I think this is something that all parents are going to go through multiple times as your kids grow up. Mm-hmm. And we don't we probably don't talk about it enough. Like I remember usually we kind of as soon as it's over, we forget how bad it is. Right. Yeah. But when you're in it, it's like you're you're stressing, you're worrying about the kid drinking enough water, you're worried, you know, when what day is this finally going to get better? When can we go back to school? Like the parents are taking days off work. Like yeah. it's a it's a pain, right? Not to mention it's extremely filthy. <laughs> so <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about some of these medical parts. Like one question I have is what is the actual number that you give? Like how long can these symptoms last in like a typical gastro and then how long does it last in like a really bad case uh okay uh so usually people will have more general symptoms like 
maybe a bit of fever, uh, decreased energy, not feeling well, and vomiting. And then on top of that, they start to have the diarrhea. And usually the not feeling well, fever, if there's going to be some, and vomiting come more towards the beginning. And the diarrhea comes a little bit after that. Right. So the fever, I usually tell people that uh, don't worry for the first 72 hours if there's fever. After 72 hours, if the temperature is not starting to improve, then it's probably appropriate to go and see your family doctor, someone who can listen to the chest, check the ears. Um, and if the fever is lasting more than five days, then it becomes more like, important to go and see somebody. And if it's lasting longer than five days, then it's maybe potentially appropriate that they're even seeing me in the emergency department. Mm-hmm. So three days for fever. If it's uh, getting worse after three days, then you should get seen. Uh, if it's still there but not getting worse, then I'd give it up to five days, like 120 okay. hours. And then the the vomiting also usually lasts up to about 120 hours. And after that, you may still get the occasional vomit here and there, um, but usually it's not lasting much longer than that. And then the diarrhea. So you can, so wait, wait. You can go past five days now. There's the occasional vomits even after five days. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> the advice I'm giving people is more, this is when you should be getting checked. But then I may check you, look at everything and say, yeah, 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 everything checks out. And it's just an unfortunate gastro. <laughs> well, that's where a lot of these, like the questions I get from like my family are like, okay, when, 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 when does he need to go to the doctor? I'm like, we're going to send him to the doctor. First of all, I am a doctor. But if we do want to see another doctor, then yeah. he's just going to look at him and say, he's fine. or go home. <laughs> right? That is that is the tricky thing sometimes when you are a physician is it no longer becomes, okay, when should I go and see a doctor? Uh, it becomes now more, well, when should I, as a doctor, figure out that there's some crazy thing going on? <laughs> right. Right. Which is a perpetual issue in our household, being married to a physician also. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's at my house. My wife's a teacher, so it's a different dynamic. Um, That must be that must add an extra twist on things for you. We can do an episode about being married to a physician, and I'll tell you all about it. (laughs) So we're saying about five days for vomiting, and then and then how? What about the diarrhea part? So the diarrhea part that really honestly that can last uh, ten days. Ten days, and that's that's normal. Beginning of the onset of this whole thing, or the beginning of the onset of diarrhea. No, just the diarrhea itself. Okay. You can have 10 days of diarrhea. Uh, so if you see if a physician before day 10, they generally aren't going to do any special test specifically for the diarrhea unless you have other symptoms that would make us more concerned. So right. if you have blood in the diarrhea, then the chance of it being something like a, a bacterial gastroenteritis would increase. So I would test your stool for bacteria, even right. if it was only four days of diarrhea with blood. But if it's not with blood, then yeah, I'm not really going to likely do a test before 10 to 12 days. That's like right. the range. At that point, if you do get past those 10 days and you're still mm-hmm. going and the tests come back negative, what happens at that point? Like we're starting to think about weirder causes. Yeah, that's right. If the diarrhea lasts more than 10 days, uh, you'll see your doctor. They'll probably order stool cultures uh, looking for bacteria. And maybe if there's something unusual in your story, like you've been traveling somewhere, mm-hmm. then they may order ova and parasite tests as well. Those tests, the cultures and the ova and parasite tests, it, they take a while to come back, actually. So sometimes people think you're going to get a result in 48 hours the way you would with, say, a strep throat test. Right. It takes but like more, a culture more time. Yeah. 
Yeah, these can take sometimes five days or even a little bit longer than that. So usually by the time that comes back in negative, it's already clear that the problem has resolved. Right. But if you are still continuing with persisting with diarrhea after that, then we would start to be looking for more unusual and unexpected things. Any other ones? Uh, other, and the duration passing these like limits that we've explained. But are there any other specific symptoms that you warn parents about? Yeah. Uh, if the child is uh, showing signs of being dehydrated and... You know, that's often a big source of stress for people because they've read about dehydration being a problem. I have right. to say over the last 10 years, the number of people who come to the emergency department you know, after two or three episodes of vomiting, specifically worried about dehydration, has really gone yeah. up compared to when I started doing this. So, so well, somewhere out there, people are learning about dehydration being a problem. So it's not really that common of an issue. Uh, no, to actually be significantly dehydrated to the point where it's dangerous in in a developed country like Canada is extremely rare. Right. Uh, unless you have other like underlying problems. Uh, but yeah, it's very uncommon for us to see that. So is there an easy way for parents to tell if their kid is dehydrated for real? Yeah, the most important thing, the most reliable thing for parents is going to be how much is my child peeing? So for kids who are past the sort of initial baby phase, you'd expect them to be peeing at least three times per day, three times in 24 hours. Okay. Uh, at least that, that should be your target when you're trying to give them fluids. Uh, if you're talking more like babies, kids say less than, less than 18 to 24 months, then we may use a target of more like four diapers a day, four, four decent wet diapers a day or the equivalent sure. of. Okay. Uh, and so even if you aren't hitting that target, so let's say your child pees twice in a day, then that doesn't mean that now you specifically have to come to the hospital, but that does mean that they're not getting enough fluid. So then you should be trying to push the fluid harder. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're pushing the fluid as hard as you think you can, and the kid still isn't taking enough to pee at least three times in 24 hours, then, okay, yeah, you should be seeing your doctor or coming to see us in the emergency department. So since you talked about pushing fluids and we're talking about dehydration, this is a big thing. Like, what are the best ways to get fluids into kids? Like... My kids hate drinking water. Like on a regular basis, they just don't drink water, period. Okay. And so they're chronically dehydrated. They're, or they, they drink seem, a lot of soda. They drink a lot of milk. Right? Okay. <laughs> right. So that's actually one of the questions I had is because like, for example, my son, he doesn't like drinking water, but if we give him milk, he'll down the whole thing. So even during this diarrhea that's going on, he <laughs> still wants milk. But we're noticing a bit of a pattern is that after he drinks the milk, he might just instantly have another round of diarrhea. And I know that that stuff doesn't go through the body that quick. Like we're talking, we're talking a minute. Okay. <laughs> right. But, but like, is milk a good thing for kids to be drinking? Cause this is, this one the parents ask a lot about, right? Because a lot of parents have lactose intolerance themselves and things like that. Yeah. They don't, not sure if this is a good thing to give kids when they're under the weather. Uh, so the short answer is it's fine to give your kids milk when they're under the weather. Uh, we just want them to drink and, uh, milk is a perfectly acceptable drink in this context. The problem, mm. though, is that we want people to, in general, have a diet that's in balance. So on a regular day, you wouldn't just drink milk all day long with having, well, without having anything else. Well, uh, you, milk, don't, you didn't know my daughter when she was under age one. Like She was pretty <laughs> much exclusively drinking formula and then milk. <laughs> formula is actually not as big of a problem but if you're talking about a one-year-old who's drinking cow's milk all the time oh, then right, we might right. have to check her iron levels <laughs> the milk was after age one it was formula originally and it was like eating anything else was difficult she was one of those milk babies right it was like top up every meal with a big glass of formula and then doesn't want to eat anything else oh gosh yeah 
Well, that that we we actually probably could do a podcast on those type of uh, picky eaters or milk babies. So we should put a pin in that one for for a day that right. we could really devote to that. But but in the case of these situations with the diarrhea, mm-hmm. formula would be a good choice. Yeah, milk is not so much of a good choice. Uh, milk is not as good as formula uh, for you know we're talking age appropriate, right? So if you're at the age where you're drinking formula, then formula is fine, mm-hmm. and that's in contrast to. Uh, these oral rehydration solutions, like the common one that people know as Pedialyte. Uh, There's nothing in uh, Pedialyte that specifically makes it better than formula. Uh, But because formula also has more protein and this type of stuff, sometimes the formula just isn't tolerated as well. So if your child is, you're giving them formula and they keep vomiting it out, then you may want to consider giving them something else. But if they're tolerating the formula, uh, they're getting it down, then Mm. it's just as good as Pedialyte. Okay. But and for if they're milk, getting diarrhea from it, then that's okay also. Yeah, formula is, is probably not really going to contribute significantly to their diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Uh, milk, on the other hand, because it has a lot of uh, lactose, you know, the sugar right. in milk is lactose. Oh, I uh, mean, me and lactose are very familiar with each other. <laughs> not so much nowadays, right? Because I guess you <laughs> cut lactose out of your diet. Right. Just for the audience, Dave is lactose intolerant. Kind of like an ex-girlfriend familiar. <laughs> that's right. As, as a side story, I remember the day I realized you were lactose intolerant. I think I was at your house in med school and I opened the fridge and I saw almond milk. And I was like, Dave, are you lactose intolerant? No, no, no. That was not me. I never drink almond milk. No, I only well, drink lactose free. Almond milk would have been Doug. Okay. Maybe it was, maybe it was lactose free milk. At any rate, I asked you if you were lactose intolerant after seeing this strange milk. And your response was, uh, no, I just drink this because it tastes so good. Of course, I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> I thought it's pretty common to be lactose intolerant. Uh, it's actually more common in Asian people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and in general, it's, it's fairly common. But it's right. not common in young children. So right. if you have a child less than a year of age and someone says they're lactose intolerant, uh, they probably mean cow's milk protein intolerance. Right. I mean, if we want to hear about how my lactose intolerance developed, like that whole story, we can save that for another episode <laughs> and tell you about freshman year in college. If people haven't heard enough about diarrhea by the end of this, then <laughs> we'll do an extra segment on that. Perfect. <laughs> but um, so getting back to that question of milk, though, when you're sick, um, uh, milk is fine. But if you're just drinking milk all day long, then even on a regular day, that could lead someone to start having diarrhea because of the sugar that's in the milk. Because uh, if your body doesn't absorb sh- sh- the sugar fast enough through osmosis, it keeps water in the bowel, and then that's what diarrhea basically is, water in the bowel. Right. So yes, kids can drink milk. If that's what they're tolerating, they can drink milk. But if you find that the milk's making them vomit more specifically, then you know back off and try something else. Or right. if they're drinking nothing but milk, then you may need to start to mix it up a bit. Sure. How about food? Like, should they be eating? Like, this is a common one. Like, a lot of parents... And even ourselves, like as our kids are vomiting or they're having diarrhea, there's this reaction, like, let's just get them away from eating for a day or two, let it settle down. Is that a, is that a proper approach or what do you recommend usually? I tell parents that uh, it's better if the kids can eat. And there's good sort of evidence, there's good science to show that the lining of the stomach and bowel will use food directly to repair itself uh, from the mm-hmm. injury that you incur to the bowel lining uh, when you're having a gastroenteritis or when you're sick. Mm -hmm. So if you can eat, it's better. However, if your kid is refusing to eat or fighting you against having food, or you notice that every time they eat, they immediately vomit afterwards, then you don't have to force them 
to eat. You don't have to have that fight with them, but you do have to force them to drink. Okay. And then, uh, but don't, do you... don't withhold food. <laughs> I should add that because I've seen that before where people are saying, you know, they're asking for food, uh, but I know that's going to make them vomit. So I'm not giving it to them and that, that you should never do. Well, like that's actually the upbringing that I had. So like when I was growing up, <clears throat> my dad was sort of the over anxious parent whenever I got sick. Yeah. So he's like, you know, he's not eating enough. So he'd eat me as soon as I could open my mouth, he'd be coming at me with some more food and then I'd probably vomit or have more diarrhea. So then my mom over time developed this idea that when you're sick, just don't eat, take a break. Right. Yeah. And you can eat it tomorrow. Like nothing's going to happen. So now we're like, now she's the grandparent and I'm the dad and she's telling me this and it doesn't matter that I'm a medical doctor at all. So she's like, don't feed the kid at all. He just needs to go on empty stomach. And, and then she's like, she'll allow them to eat kanji, which is just like rice with water, like a porridge, okay. which is really bland, right? You know, yeah. I'm sitting next to me eating chicken wings yesterday because, because I, I need the sodium, right? <laughs> and then like, she's like, stop. No, he, he's like, I want chicken wings, chicken wings. And then my mom's like, no, you're going to have said kanji. He wants chicken they're, wings. they're like battling. I'm like, well, I guess if he's strong enough to be put in a fight about this, he can't be that hungry. Like, if he was really hungry, he would just eat something. <laughs> <laughs> I would say if he's asking for food, then yeah, you should give him food. And the, uh, in the old days, you used to hear doctors tell people uh, to give something called the brat diet. I think we talked about this. Bread, rice, right. apples, bananas, toast. rice, applesauce, toast. Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, so that's been studied and they realized that now the brat diet doesn't doesn't actually make them get better quicker. So the <laughs> new teaching now is just give them a balanced diet. Uh, and right. if they can have a balanced diet, they may actually vomit more in the short term, but the total duration of the illness will generally be shorter. So, so the flip side is then in, in yesterday's scenario, is fried chicken wings a good option? Like... It's not super balanced, but there's protein and, you know, what's wrong with like we look yeah, at that particular fine. item. It's super greasy. Right. So some people feel have this idea that really greasy food is bad for your digestive system. Yeah, I would say the chicken wings. I mean, there's a larger discussion about whether someone should be just eating chicken wings in general, I suppose. For the, <laughs> and the, the, the answer choices. is clearly yes. On a regular <laughs> basis. It is one of the greatest <laughs> foods ever invented, quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, it's no Kentucky Fried Chicken, but I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it's not too bad for you. But no, I, yeah, I would say um, chicken wings can be part of a balanced diet. So it's not so much our chicken wings as an individual food item balanced. Uh, but yeah, if on a regular day you would eat chicken wings, then of course when you're sick you can also eat chicken wings. But if you just sit there eating plate after plate of chicken wings, of course you're not going to do well. You're going to probably have more diarrhea and stomach cramps. So if your son's asking for chicken wings, then yeah, uh, let him have some. Like, don't just give him a bucket. <laughs> too, but too bad he's not old enough to listen to this podcast and understand the implications and play it back to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if this, if this stuff is a, if the internet is still a thing when your son grows up, then he'll hear this someday, and there will be an "I told you so" moment flying out to somebody. <laughs> so. So anything else we want to add about like how to feed the kid or drink during a bout of one of these episodes? Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about, you know, they can eat whatever they want in balance. But if there's specific foods that you notice when I try to give them this, they always vomit. Then, yeah, we, then don't give that specific food. Sure. Uh, but then the other part is the drinking. Mm -hmm. So when you have gastroenteritis, if you drink, you may be thirsty and you may want to drink. But if you drink too much too fast, then the stomach will distend a little bit like 
like it'll it'll overfill a little bit and then as a reflex you'll vomit so uh, we do want people to drink but the the mantra is small amounts but frequently so just give a little bit of time but give it very frequently do you have like a recommendation for the speed then of the drinking uh yeah i mean when i'm seeing people in hospital i'll actually use their weight to sort of calculate a little bit what mm-hmm. what i want uh but generally speaking uh i would say offer your child a few sips uh every sort of five to ten minutes and as they're tolerating those sips then you could start to give them a little bit more and more each time perfect and people will sometimes worry because they've given their kids sips and they've tolerated over like an hour or two hours but then at the end of that then they vomit and it always seems like a lot of vomit. So the worry for the parents is often, did any of this stay in? Is more going out than is going in? Right. The fluid is usually absorbed relatively rapidly. So uh, I would say as long as uh, enough is staying in that they're peeing the way we told people before that they should be peeing, right. uh, then you don't have to worry too much about that. This is all very reassuring. I'm taking everything you're saying and like superimposing it on the current scenario in my household. <laughs> the... the the latest thing today was like, I was told by family to bring home some uh, bottles to do some stool cultures because it's been going on too long. And I was okay. going to tell them, I was going to tell them, you know, you know, we got 10 days. We got 10 days of this to go through before we worry. Because my thing is like, I don't know if you've ever collected a stool culture at your house. Like the actual oh. container tells you the instructions. It's something like lay a layer of saran wrap on your saran toilet. Wrap. Yeah, layer a saran wrap on the toilet, then have them go into the saran wrap, which at this point in time is going to be super messy. Yeah. (laughs) Let's just drop a water bomb in the middle of this saran wrap and let it splatter everywhere and then use that and collect it and put it into the little bottle. I'm like, is it really that necessary? Like, can I just not take a stick and dip some in from the bowl? (laughs) Or at least maybe have them poop on like a little potty or something. Yeah, but that might see, be See, the idea. kits we use at the hospital, at my hospital, it comes with a little plastic hat that sort of sits in the toilet that you can use. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's not so, it's not, it sounds so messy, but these kits that you're talking about, it sounds like it's designed to discourage people from doing this at all. <laughs> Step one, lay out some saran wrap over, what, over the entire bathroom floor. <laughs> Step two, get into a moving vehicle. <laughs> well... Nothing about medicine is intended to make it easy for parents. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, yeah, I'd have to say at this point, the stool cultures are highly unlikely to yield anything that's going to be useful for you. So anything else we want to add about fluid replenishment, nutrition replenishment? Or we're, we're good with that. One other topic that's probably worth mentioning is what fluid do you use to replace? We, we talked about how milk is fine. Uh, but I just want to add on to this. This, A lot of parents are still under the impression that they need to be giving oral rehydration solutions like Pedialyte. Um, and I, I feel like parents sometimes think that this stuff isn't just another way to give fluids with some electrolytes, but that feel people are led to believe that this is a medication, that giving this will help cure the underlying problem. Now, do we want Pedialyte as a future sponsor, or are we just going to talk freely about this? <laughs> I have a feeling Pedialyte is not coming to our door uh, to get an endorsement or at least to pay us for an endorsement. So on that note, I'm just going to throw this one out there is that patients, kids, 
they hate Pedialyte. My children hate Pedialyte. Like it tastes weird. Like we put it into the form of a popsicle and they still hate it. Like they actually, one of the days Paul was sick, we ended up taking him to like the convenience store and bought him an actual rocket. Right. Yes. <laughs> he liked that. Right. But, or a freezy, but then the Pedialyte, he, he had like, he had two drips of it and he's like, I'm out of here. Well, the natural flavor of Pedialyte, if you buy the one that has no added flavor, mm-hmm. the natural flavor at a baseline is very salty. Right. Uh, it tastes, that tastes quite gross. <laughs> um, you'd have to be like starving or like a dying of thirst. <laughs> you'd have to be one of these people in like a life raft somewhere where it's either drink the ocean or drink the Pedialyte for that Pedialyte to seem tempting. Okay. Uh, then the, the flavored ones, they have all these ones like orange and different flavors. Uh, but the the sweetener that they use to f- to flavor it gives a really unnatural artificial it's, yeah, sweetness. It's, it's very tart. Yeah, As maybe a- if you were uh, like living in 1982, where everything was super sugary, uh, <laughs> where where new Coke seemed like a good idea, then uh, maybe then Pedialyte would seem appetizing to a child. But you know, generally they don't like it. Right. So it's a, that is hard to get in. Gatorade, a lot of parents use, and. It's, I've, I've heard that it's generally okay, but it also doesn't have the exact correct electrolyte balance either. Uh, yeah, and the other thing that Gatorade has is it has a very high sugar load. Right. Because I think they're, the, the marketing for Gatorade is that when you're an athlete and you're burning up all this energy, then that sugar load is you need that right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with gastroenteritis, similar to what I was saying about milk, if you have a lot of sugar in the bowel... Uh, if the body can't absorb the sugar fast enough, then that will draw water in the bowel. That may actually make your diarrhea worse. So the rocket popsicle was not a great idea either. <laughs> uh, well, so at the end of the day, people really don't need to overthink all these things about how much sugar is in the flu and all that kind of stuff. Because we're not talking about people who are deathly dehydrated. <laughs> so just getting them to drink fluids is the main thing. Right. Uh, we don't necessarily want you to drink pure free water and eat no food and just have water (laughs) since water has no electrolytes and you'll start to dilute what you have. So as a medical dad, do you have the tendency to like overanalyze the minutia of stuff because you're a physician and you know these little details or are you able to sort of take a step back? Because I I have a tendency to get into the details sometimes. I think what's helpful for me is that I'm specifically a pediatrician, specifically in the emergency department. Mm -hmm. So Whereas if I have to deal with problems related to my own health or an adult, I know just enough to worry about all these like unlikely things that could be happening, uh, but not knowing so much as to be able to quickly rule those things out. Whereas <laughs> with pediatric stuff, uh, specifically things that would be emergency department worthy, I'm much right. more able to... I, I find that actually that my job makes that way easier. There, there are actually times when I look at parents who aren't pediatric emergency docs and i wonder how do you possibly manage raising your kids like it must be so scary all the time because kids are always doing all these crazy weird things that seem really horrible well even now like i mean as a family doctor i'm looking at my son having this diarrhea i'm like if i wasn't a physician of course i'd be wigging out it's like day five or day six day seven and it's still going like there's no no seemingly no end and and then and then in this day and age where do you turn for advice right like your mom my mom's telling me like don't give him any food at all (laughs) right on the other hand we're we're trying to give him popsicles like this is craziness so the bottom line for listeners is that give your kids whatever they want to drink but if they're only drinking water all the time then you may need to get them to eat something with some electrolytes in it um, and give them small amounts but frequently and if they're peeing at least three times in 24 hours four times a day if it's a baby then they're doing okay from a hydration point of view sounds good 
Um, I think there is one last topic that I think we might want to just touch on briefly before we sign off. Mm-hmm. When whenever one of my kids gets sick, whether it's diarrhea or a cold or anything, we start thinking about like where do they catch it from. So especially uh, yes. especially this this most recent episode because we were traveling and our family was together, we didn't interact with a lot of other children. So we've been yes. trying to figure out like where which was which was the source of this, and this seems to be like a fun game. Like everyone in the family is participating. Like everyone has an opinion. People who weren't there are like, oh, I think it was that thing you ate, or oh, it's got to be that museum you guys went to, right? <laughs> right? Or or it'll be coupled with, you know what? We're never going on another vacation again because clearly that's the reason. So like obviously we don't know where he caught it from or where him and I caught it from, but what is some general prevention that we could do? Like where are the common places that kids find these viruses or a bacteria? Yeah. So uh, typically the way it is spread is from a surface to, uh, or from person to surface and then from surface to person. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the biggest thing is making sure that, uh, that you're washing your hands. That mm-hmm. when you go out somewhere and you're touching a lot of stuff, that the kids wash their hands before they eat. Not because we're so worried about the food being contaminated as such, but just that if you're touching, like if you're eating and your dirty fingers are getting close mm-hmm. to your mouth or in your mouth, then you're potentially going to get something. And how realistic is it for a three-year-old or a five-year-old to be washing their hands well enough that they can actually get it clean? Well, you don't need to be obsessed with them washing their hands after every like contact they have with every surface but when they sit down to eat then they should be washing their hands Mm -hmm. and when you uh sort of enter and exit uh a place where there's a lot of people then it's probably prudent to wash your hands do you remember in medical school we were taught how to wash our hands there was a lecture about this uh it was supposed to take 30 seconds right you have to sing the whole entire happy birthday song out loud from beginning to end that's about the amount of time you should be scrubbing with the soap. Was that, did it specifically have to be out loud? Is well, that part of the? I think when you sing it in your head, you can sing it super fast. <laughs> so you, what you, to do it properly, you should be washing your hands, sing happy birthday, ideally with a metronome to help you keep time when you sing. <laughs> exactly. And like, I'm pretty sure my daughter is cheating when I told her to do this. <laughs> did you finish singing? Yeah. I'm like, it's been two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear you singing. Did I tell you this story that so when I was a kid, my parents were really big into getting us to wash our hands mm-hmm. um, uh, when we use the bathroom, before we eat. Okay. Um, and so uh, that's the way I remember being raised right from the beginning. So I, we actually were pretty good about washing our hands in our house. But I remember one day I came out of the bathroom and my dad was there and he was saying, son, did you wash your hands? And I said, yeah, I, I did, dad. And he's saying, okay, because you know what happens if you don't wash your hands. And thinking I know the answer, I'm saying to him, yeah, you get sick. And he said, no, son, he could die. <laughs> and then I just remember like, wow, that is even more serious than I realized. This hand thing is, I'm uh, glad I washed my hands. <laughs> your, your dad has a way of laying out the truth. <laughs> that, that's right. Wash your hands or die. That should be written over every bathroom sink in every restaurant. <laughs> so, like, so prevention. Like, prevention. So cleaning your hands. How about cleaning yeah. the bathroom? Like the bathroom and these floors and stuff are, are a disaster during during a bout of this going through the house, right? Like the kids are, you know, sometimes they're vomiting on the floor. Like is the vomit is also contagious also? Uh, yeah, presumably there are virus particles in the vomit and in the poop. But, and so it's, yes, it's good to 
try to keep you know if, if there's visible soiling on your bathroom floor then that would be a uh, a prudent medical recommendation is to <laughs> remove the feces uh from the floor and the vomitus from your taps and we should just be grateful that generally speaking the color of feces is fairly distinct so you can see it most of the time that's right there's a reason toilets don't usually come in brown <laughs> or yellow <laughs> yeah Although they, you can buy one if you're determined. <laughs> you probably could buy a brown one too. <laughs> yeah. But commonly, white is a good choice <laughs> for a toilet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yes, uh, you should keep your bathroom clean. However, I don't really endorse uh, going crazy with the disinfectants all over the bathroom, constantly doing that. I mean, if you have the time, then great. But it's more important to clean your hands because that's the vector mm-hmm. that it's getting. You know, it's not that you step on a on a dirty floor and then get gastro that way. I mean, unless your kids lick their feet a lot. Well, you uh, scratch your toes or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I suppose there's that. But as, as long as you're washing your hands before your before your hands are going to your mouth, then you know you just should be generally safe. Right. And of course, a lot of viral illnesses will also go through the eyes. So it's not just about not putting your hands in your mouth, but generally try to avoid touching your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are studies showing that it's almost impossible to stop touching your face. Like like the typical person sitting there will touch like their mouth like you know over five minutes several times inadvertently. Yeah. And I guess there's a whole philosophical and potentially scientific question about how much effort should you be going to prevent yourself from getting exposed to these kinds of viruses. Because uh, if you kept your children completely unexposed to any of these illnesses now, uh, then as an adult, they might actually be more vulnerable because they would not have built any immunity to this. Right, right. So So there's that whole hygiene theory about why allergies and other autoimmune problems are more more prevalent nowadays. And that's one of the theories. Right. So on that note, this kind of, these episodes of diarrhea are actually a normal thing. They're like, I think to conclude, these these things just happen. We all go through it. It's a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage for parents, you know, to yeah. nurse their kids through it, the late nights, cleaning the floor. It's a rite of passage for medical students too. Like I remember I had never gotten such a bad diarrhea as I did when I started uh, in the middle of medical school. <laughs> like yeah. like those those times you like crumple to the floor cuz you've been in and out of the bathroom like 18 times in a day. Like that happened to me and th- that started when I was in medical training. <laughs> So this stuff happens. Well, the sickest I ever got in terms of like gastro type symptoms, uh, that sort of thing where you're not even sure what to do with the toilet. Uh, like, should you be going head first, face first <laughs> towards it or the other way? Uh, the worst case of that for me was uh, when my wife and I got married, we got married in Punta Cana. Um, it was one of those things like, like I'm going to vomit. But it's coming out both ends. Like, what do I do next? Um, so anyway, I won't go into all of the details of that story, but if you are in a hot country and they offer you at your door complimentary sushi, <laughs> you just say no. That was a takeaway from that trip. Well, uh, the takeaway was the uh, amazing marriage, but uh, the, the lesson learned was the uh, don't eat hot sushi in a, in a warm country. First of man- many lessons for the medical that's, dad. That's right, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully people listening now have a bit of a sense of, uh, 
of how to approach it when their child has gastro. Right. Uh, hopefully people are, feel a bit reassured that even if it feels like it's dragging, that's not generally a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, if your child seems to be uh, lethargic, not peeing like we talked about, having a lot of pain that you can't manage, then of course, uh, medical dads being physicians, we still want to see you. Right. I mean, I always tell parents, like parents always ask, like, when do I need to see the doctor? And we can throw all these numbers and stuff at them, really. But at the end of the day, it's really, especially as a family doctor, it's like when they're not sure what to do, right? That's basically the answer. That's right. (laughs) On that note, we will follow up in about a week's time. Hopefully, this will be over by then. Yeah, or at least we'll have the results of the culture back. (laughs) All right, great. Good night, everybody. See you, Stu. See you next time. Bye.